Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? Doing okay, Eric, besides having to shovel snow for the first time this year, actually. Uh, I didn't even have any uh, snow uh, earlier in the year. I know you, you, got, you got some, but uh, excited uh, for today's uh, podcast because we have a gentleman who has wisely headed south, Mr. Tommy the Hammer Massis, who now uh, calls uh, South Florida his home for a few months. Yeah, and I've said it a lot. He's He's been a big influence on my handicap. Not necessarily handicapping, but my betting, uh, where he really doesn't spread much stress and narrow down on opinions. And I think that's the right way to go. And we'll talk about that with him. Uh, we're going to talk some general betting strategies with him, too, how he approaches things. And then uh, he was nice enough. He wasn't going to handicap with us and stay on, but he was nice enough to uh, get the program for me this morning and uh, look over the races today so he can add some uh, some thoughts um, I'm not being a, a hog with the time, but he had asked me to go first. So I, uh, I kind of opened the races and then Tommy, uh, kind of adds his two cents and scares me a little bit on a couple of words I like, and on a couple others, uh, you know, he makes me feel better. So we're going to get right to the interview with Tommy now. Okay. So let's get started. Uh, Gulfstream park on Saturday, the late pick six, only because it's got a carryover mandatory payout. So uh, Tommy Massis, who has landed in uh, southern Florida for the winter, uh, is going to help us out uh, and put his two cents worth in to some of the races that uh, Eric and I will go through and um, get his expertise on maybe different angles, how he would bet uh, these races. I know Tommy's not a pick, uh, pick six fan due to the you know, takeout and jackpot or whatever. But um, let, let's get it rolling. Tommy, thanks a lot for uh, joining us again, back by popular demand. Your uh, first appearance was stellar. Thanks again. Thank and you. Um, welcome back. And, and any, any words before we get hot and heavy into the handicapping? No, just uh, good to be back. Uh, I couldn't be any better. I'm in nice warm weather. My body feels good. My mind feels good. A lot of young girls around that are not averse to old fat men, so <laughs> life is good, man. <laughs> nice scenery in South Florida this you time. You got it, man. <laughs> nice. All right, well, we'll turn it over to um, the, the man who loves to dissect the races, Mr. Eric Rubin. Uh, it's all yours. All right. Hey, Tommy, how are you? Excellent, Eric. Good. Thanks um, for having me on. Yeah, no, thanks for coming back. You're, you're a big hit. Uh, I know you mentioned um, at Gulfstream you have certain kind of rules for playing Gulfstream or maybe a little different than you would when you're playing Woodbine. So do you mind talking about those for a little bit? Yeah, uh, well, well, normally, I, you know, I'm a guy who likes to hit pick threes, pick fours, doubles, multi-race bats, and, and play that way almost like 90% of the way. But I found it over here, down here at Gulfstream during the years, it's really hard for me to string those races together. And, you know, I'm not a fan of turf racing anywhere, so I won't pick on Gulf Streams 
horrible turf course too much. But, you know, so I, I've kind of had to adapt. And it's not just the turf racing in between. It just seems like, you know, you know, guys want to talk about juice trainers, you know. And it's okay if it's, you know, Navarro service, certain guys, right? You know, but, you know, they usually come firing every time. But at Gulfstream, there's these trainers you never heard of with 4%, and all of a sudden their horses go 45 to the half in a mile of 16 turf race, put away four horses and draw off on you. Like, what the hell, man? You know, it just happens like every day, you know, no rhyme or reason to that trainer's horse doing it. You know, it's not one of the names people throw out. And it just kills me over and over. I get some nice horses down and, and just can't finish off. So I really change my style and and it's more of a go kill them style to a survive style i guess where i really races a day and hopefully you know a couple of them are back to back and if i'm very lucky and very rarely three of them are back to back but so i change my style and i you know another one of my handicapping go-to angles is i like these races with a ton of speed and betting the closer. And if you focus on the Gulfstream Park dirt, that's suicide. <laughs> but I have found that the mile one turn races and the, sometimes, you know, the seven furlong uh, dirt races, those are the races I'm trying to focus on. And the cheaper the, the quality of horses, the better. They seem to come back. They, you know, stupid things don't happen that aren't supposed to happen. And, you know, adversely a mile in the 16th race where they start right on the turn there. I hate that. You just can't pace handicap. Right. You know, there was a, a stake race or an allowance race last week where the seven horse, you know, a $2 million horse from the seven hole uh, with Matt. What's the name of that horse? Max or. And that size went wire to wire on the nice horse. Tax. Yeah. Oh, huh? tax. 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 Yeah. So he gets the one hole size quarter horses race over. Right. Like, I bet against tax against anything next time because he just stole that race eight feet into the race and the second right. horse was dead, you know, and I could see it happening. So I kind of stayed out of the race. I was kind of looking at the seven, but I, I know what happens. You, you stutter step and you're dead. So I'm going to try to stick the seven for a long and one mile dirt races and if other things, you know, stick out, you know, I'm not closing everything, but that's, you know, instead of just rolling pick threes and pick fours all day, I'm going to have to go, you know, this new kind of style for Gulfstream or else I know I'll get slaughtered and I don't feel like getting slaughtered. That's interesting. Um, you know, for me, like I'm not into the pace handicapping like you are. So I think I like Gulfstream. If anything, I'm partial to speed and speed generally does well there. And uh, like one of the things I love is when a horse duels another horse in a race, uh, puts the other horse, especially if it's like a favorite, kind of puts the favorite away and then maybe gets caught or whatever. So it doesn't look like he ran great and then betting him back the next time, depending on circumstances. And Gulfstream, that works really well because speed is so dominant. Um, does that mean that you sit out a lot of races when you're betting Gulfstream because you're only playing a few spots here and there? Yeah, you know, listen, if you find me races with, uh, you know, not much speed in them, I, I'll, bet, I'll, bet, I'll bet, you know, that pace scenario. I'll bet the speed horses. But I've seen too many races. There's four speed horses. They're four wide, you know, banging, and they run one, two. Yeah. If you want to bet horses like that, if you want to bet speed horses in a four horse speed race, well, that's not for me. Well, the thing that 
kills me, Tommy, is like you see a race that you figure, oh, there's way too much speed. The next thing you know, they come out of the gate and there's one horse on top by two. It's like all what all the other jocks decide today was the day that they weren't going to send their horse because there was too much speed. So you know what the result is, you know. Yeah, that, that doesn't bother me, right? That doesn't bother oh, okay. me. Now I understand how that horse got around the track and won. But yesterday there was two examples. One of them was a mile, mile dirt race. I know I had the seven horse come from dead last, or it was a seven furlong race maybe. They went 44 to the half battling and the horse just opens up by five. And, and then a couple races, if not the next race, there's a horse on the turf, you know, in a, in a 45 and change battle and just, just keeps going like that. I don't understand that. I can't live with. Right. And now, because, because of Gulf Streams, let me, because of Gulf Streams speed nature and usually on all courses there, right. not too many guys are sitting, you know, there there's, it's not like the New York races or other mm -hmm. tracks where they all start strangling. These guys are quarter horsing the whole way around. They know they got a shot that way. Sure. Now I, I was surprised to hear you say that you really don't care for turf races, regardless of where it's at. Say, expand upon that. Okay, so um, five furlong turf races, right? It's hard. It's hard to to figure out the pace scenario when everyone's a rocket usually, right? Sure. And betting stone closers in five furlong races—that's not good business. Okay. And then you get. To two turn races on the turf, well, it's just a lot harder for me to figure out the pace scenario. The racing's great to watch, and you know there are better horses on the turf, but figuring out pace scenarios on the turf becomes a lot more harder to do. And especially in recent years, where everyone's taken seems to taken the Euro way of everyone holding, 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 and waiting to run in the lane. You know, I, I can only go by what I do well at and what I do good at. Right? I'm not that stubborn. Right. No, no, there's nothing stubborn or bad. I was just interested uh, to, to hear what, why you uh, felt that way. But yeah, it, it's like stick with what you do best or the surfaces or track or whatever. Why, why try and fight uh, uh, what doesn't work for you? So yeah. And, and just to make things even more safer, build up a hate for the things that you don't do good. <laughs> that way you don't go back to it, right? <laughs> Yeah, no, no. To me, to me, if Gulfstream ran six furlongs to one mile dirt races, the whole meet, I'd be happy. I'd really get involved. <laughs> um, let, let me ask you, like, some general betting questions here before we get into the pick six. But I figured as we go through the races, maybe uh, we can talk about how you would uh, bet based on maybe, like, a horse I like or GQ likes or a few horses to see how you play differently than maybe some other people, your advice. But I know your reputation is for not spreading very much, whether it's a pick five or whatever, just kind of hammering, so to speak, your, uh, your opinions. How do you decide in a race what you're going to bet as far as like um, tries, exactas? Does it really depend who you like, the race shape? Uh, do you go in with a preconceived notion about what kind of bets you're going to make? Yeah, I almost stay away from tries and supers it's a lot harder to find those cold tickets yeah but if i love a horse in a race and two horses behind i'll play exactors and tries but i'm just being a pick three pick four player the, the payoffs and tries and supers don't seem to to drive for me so I, i'm not that type type of better I, you know i'm really really trying to bet race you know multiple race bets okay but 
to me, if, if I'm going to bet into one race, I guess a win bet in exactos are usually the status quo. Well, and that, that's the thing with horizontals. You only have to find horses who you feel can win the race. You don't have to worry about the eight to five horse that's, uh, you know, one out of 32 with 17 seconds. Yeah, no, I agree. A lot easier to handicap because uh, I'm looking to pick winners. I'm not there picking second and third and fourth place horses. It doesn't fit, you know, my DNA. Right, yeah, I, I, I am like you in that sense. I, I'm much better and more into the horizontal wagers. Pick five wides. Um, I know you've talked about the pyramid approach, I guess. is I don't know if that's what you call it or what it's called, where, you know, you'll have your main horses and then you'll kind of hammer home on your main opinions. Can you talk about that for just a moment or two? Yeah, well, what I usually do is I'll map out a ticket and, you know, my first uh, draw on it is a Neanderthal ticket. And usually I'll even scale that down a lot more and a lot more. Why is this guy holding? Excuse me. <laughs> you watching the Gulfstream race? Yeah. <laughs> the four, I have the four. He's cleared and the guy puts on the brakes. Hey, and hey, he's he's looking behind out. him, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay, anyway, so, so yeah, I usually start with a small ticket and then just scale it down because, you know, the philosophy I use is how could you like every horse in a sequence exactly the same? Right. It's impossible. So I try to go down as far as I can and to not play, every, you know, to play every horse depending on how much I like them. So, you know, it starts with maybe a 24 combination and the last tickets might be cold. And what, what would you advise for people? Do you have any advice for people who are getting ready to play like a pick five sequence? Do you go through the races and just like make a list of the horses you think have a chance to win and then whittle down from there? Uh, how would you approach it or how would you recommend approaching it? No, that's, that's the opposite, man. I hate that because what happens now with these pick six and pick five guys, the guys who are playing the 50 cent spreader tickets or the 20 mm -hmm. cent spreader tickets, they're not picking horses that can win. They're picking horses that can't win. And I think that's one of the worst habits on the planet to have, to play that way. It's, it's insanity, insanity. Because what you start doing is you start using horses that you would never play in a million years, but you start rationing, well, maybe this and that. He has it. Well, he has a shot. He has a race down here with an 84 buyer. That's it. And you start throwing in trash and expanding your tickets, and it's just – it's just this total, total wrong way to bet on horses. It's the same as guys who start off uh, betting against bad favorites. So they find a real bad favorite and they bet against them. And then it gets to the point that any horse that's an under two to one morning line, their brain starts to automatically want to play against them. It's just horrible habits to make. Hmm. Well, I know this is kind of like a tough question to answer, but what would be like your spreadiest ticket if that's a word even you know let's say it's a 50 cent pick five what your neanderthal ticket to start or, or whatever what's is there a typical amount roughly or what's like the most you would end up doing no i, I can spend anywhere from uh, 80 dollars to you know two or three hundred dollars and the main ticket can be around a hundred Right. If that main ticket shows me no matter what really comes in and I get it, I can hit a home run. Yeah, I don't mind spreading a little. Right. But I'll right. always scale it down. There, are, there has to be presses underneath. There has to be. So so let me ask you, if I'm uh, let's say I put a ticket together, it's about $80. I'll pick five ticket. And 
I really am not someone who wants to spend more than $80. Would you recommend not playing that, cutting it down and playing it for more money? Or would you say, no, go ahead, play the um, $80 ticket? No, what I would say, I would get it down to 40 and then play presses for another 40. Okay. Or what I'll do a lot of times, I'll look at the races where I have four or five horses, right? And I'll look at them and if, if in one of the races, my horses are seven to two, three to one, five to two, and six to one, and 12 to one, I'll just keep the 12 to one and break. Right, right, right. You know, well, what do I need five horses for if four of them are under five to one? So I'll just right. force myself to cut down or don't play. Right. And, and the thing that we see a lot with friends who share tickets and stuff is like, they just build this one huge ticket and I know the fact is you should have multiple tickets because as, as you said before, and you always say in the past, if you're spreading say five in one race and you're only playing one ticket, you're saying you have equal faith in each of those five horses in the race. And there's no way that, that you, you do. So that's why the need for multiple tickets. Yeah, no, I agree, because who bets, when, who, whoever plays win, do they bet the same amount to win on every horse? Is their exact or denomination the same? Every combination, doubles, every, no. So why in pick fives do you play every horse? Like, it's okay to use an all, right? You use an all, but if you're using the six to five the same as the 40 to one, what are you doing? Especially if you really like the six to five better. And if you don't really like them better, what's you doing on your ticket to begin with, right? You got to start asking yourself these questions, like, you definitely got to play for different amounts. And, and my tickets, you know, I'm, I'm not usually playing two or three tickets. And I'm not playing the tickets where I key the one in the third leg to spread elsewhere. But then on another ticket, I key a different race. My tickets, if the last ticket, the, the lowest, the smallest ticket press wins, all of them win. Everything above it wins. It's not if, or, and they got to. So when I get down to that last two combination or one combination, if that comes in, they all come in. Yeah, it's interesting because I don't like that ABC method either. I think it's kind of foolish where you're singling maybe different horses on different tickets. But it came up like a week or two ago where I liked, um, actually might have even been last Saturday, where I liked a 13-to-1 shot as a potential single, and then I liked a 8-to-1 shot as a potential single in the other race. So if that's you, you're basically singling both of them on the ticket. You're not singling one 13-to-1 shot on one ticket, and then on the other ticket you're singling an 8-to-1 shot. In the same sequence you would just have them together yeah, no, I, I know yeah no i won't do that so you, you'll single the eight to one on one ticket in that race with the 13 to one you use five horses then you go back and you, you use five horses in the eight to one race right. and single the third <laughs> no that's that's craziness you give me two singles like that that's where i'll spend three or four hundred right and really really pare down the other three races what about a, a scenario where you look at a race and it's basically let's say there's eight or nine horses in the race, but there's really two horses you think have a shot, and they're the two favorites, like a six to five and a two to one, and you don't really see anyone else uh, having a chance. Would you use, and you can't really decipher too much between the two. Maybe you like the six to five slightly better than the two to one, but um, fairly even. Would you use both and then like kind of hammer home one of them, or would you just say, I'm just choosing one of them and if, you know, 50-50 shot here? No, I'll use them both and use them the same. I won't think too much about it. If it's, they're not ob obvious, if there's an obvious difference between them, then I'll throw one out. But if they're pretty close, I'll just use two of them. 
and let the rest of the sequence decide if the ticket's worth playing. Okay. And same scenario, if it was like three favorites and you didn't see anyone but the three favorites, would you use all three or, or it depends now, on the I'll sequence, use, I guess. Listen, I'll use five favorites. It's the whole ticket you got to look at. Can that, right. with, if any one of those favorites come in, no matter how much I spread, can that ticket come back boxcars? If mm -hmm. yes, I don't hesitate. Good. I'm using three favorites. It closes one leg down. That ain't bad. What are you going to do? You know, maybe if it's the first leg, I might play the pick four for three times the amount instead of playing the pick five. You, you kind of answered, an yeah, you kind of answered this, I think, but uh, I'm going to ask you because it might be a little different than what you said. So you look at the sequence, you like the sequence, but there's one race where you don't like the favorite at all. You really don't know who you like though. You know, how, how would you approach that? Again, it might be too hard because you got to see the whole sequence, but it, it, would you just spread in that race a little bit because you know, this favorite's not winning or do you say, I, I got to find someone I like in order to play it? Now, you know, that, that's, that's another trap, right? So when, so just say I do hate a favorite, that mm -hmm. race doesn't interest me unless I really like someone else. Okay. So there's not much thought into the way you're, I know what you're asking me. No, I, I don't really think like that. No, no. Cause, cause what happens is if you think you can beat the favorite and, and you're spreading, you're probably putting yourself you know, you're not getting anywhere most of the time. It's just got to play the same. You can't even look at that. You know, I don't look at beating favorites, playing favorites, whatever. The way it comes out, it comes out. And you just got to keep looking at these tickets as a whole because one leg doesn't get you anything. Two legs don't get you. have to get them all. And if you get them all and there's a way to make a good score, it's good. There's nothing to think about other than that. Right. And um one, one more question then I'll, I'll stop reading the questions here um let's say you're, you're looking at a sequence again it's a pick five and you like the pick five but there's one race you just there's got i mean i know you're a great handicapper but there's got to be a race in the sequence where you're like i i have no idea i'm at a loss for this race i really don't have an opinion what would you do in that case would you not play it would you just force yourself into an opinion well you know what that that's a race where i might say you know what this is a tough race for me. It's probably going to be a tough race for everyone else. Mm -hmm. And I just force a single or use two good prices and play small money and I won't get hurt. And if I do get right, you know, if I'm right, I could really, you know, make a nice big score. Right. That's, that's a probably a good strategy. <laughs> to, yeah, to I'll do it. it. I'll lay out my, I'll lay out my pick five and, you know, I'll have, you know, and I'm looking, I'm where I'm looking to cut down. I'm not looking where I got two or three, you know, I'm looking to cut down on a race where I have five. And what I mean by cut down is throw four of them up. Yeah. I, I kind of, the single. yeah, I kind of did what you suggested um, last week. I think it was the last race we went over. GQ might even remember the name of the horse. It was, uh, I want to say a two-year-old race or at Gulfstream was a, the last race on Saturday and it looked wide open. I, I, didn't really know, but the six horse, I think it was a Pletcher horse dropping down. And I thought he had a decent shot. So I just said, let me just, instead of using seven horses here, I have no idea what I like. I tried to single that horse. So I think came in third or something. Didn't run terrible, but didn't win. So didn't work out, but. Oh, yeah, it was Millane or Milan. Yeah, Million or something. Yeah, some horse yeah. like that. So. Yeah, um, what will you want to, I keep the 12 on every exotic ticket, right? Mira Mission. All right. That's the one who won, right? Yeah, I missed the leg before, and, and I didn't play. I watched them win by 10 lengths. Oh, what do you go off? It was a good price, right? Yeah, four or five or six to one, something like that. 
Yeah, you know, I didn't know what to do with the horse. I think it was the Tom Bush horse, if I'm not mistaken. He, he, does, he, had it, he a, does it every winter. He does it every winter. Yeah. One bad star drops him in for 50, and, and a different animal shows up. Marat <laughs> couldn't lose on the horse if he was sitting backwards. Yeah, he, he's a solid New York trainer for a long time, Bush, so I followed him for a long time. But um, he, I didn't know what to do with him because, like, I don't know how much you look at speed figures, but his speed figure, his buyer, whatever, was really good uh, compared to the others. I think he had the best one, but it was in a race where it was against, I don't know if it was state bread or not, but it was against made it special at it, and he was dropping, like he said. So his number was really high, but he wasn't really competitive in the race. He kind of just ran in the race and never threatened. So I didn't know to believe in the speed figure or not. No, I don't, I don't really look at the speed. I know that angle. He's done it over the years yeah. down here at Gulfstream. You know, put the race aside. He did come fourth in a maiden special in New York. Yeah, no, he definitely figured. Um, I guess the 12 yeah, post yeah, doesn't bother you. I've seen him do it over and over and over through the years. It's the same one race like that. And I've seen him a lot worse race the second time out in for 50. Yeah. You know, the exact same thing. And boom. And if All right. Not, I don't boom, know if there's anything you guys want to. Well, I'm sorry. You, what were you saying there? I cut you off. No, it's not, it's not, not that they always win, but they're, they're live. You know what I mean? Right, right. Okay. It's just a oh. mental note that pops out of my head. As soon as I went to that race, I went down and whoop, there it is, single. I don't look up anything else. <laughs> Everything else went out the window, single. That, right. That's the beautiful thing about horse players, Tommy. We, a lot of times we can't tell you what we had for lunch yesterday, but we can tell you how trainers are and certain horses on a certain day from 20 years back. And, and there, there's a perfect – a uh, situation where, you know, it's a scenario that you've seen in the past before and um, it just comes from repetition, seeing it, seeing it, you know, time after time after time. And it's something that the casual handicapper is not going to be able to encounter. But, you know, when you're at it every day and you see these scenarios, um, that's where your edge comes in. Yeah, I've talked about it elsewhere. I think it's a, uh... Somebody explained to me how the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain works, right? So briefly, the left side does the data, okay. takes all the data in, and then the right side kind of just, when the time is right, you know, when it's needed, just spits out the answer, and it doesn't fill you in on the, the math part. So, And that's a case there where I just looked down, boom, and before I could even say the words of what I saw, it was just a circle. Automatic, my body just circled the 12 automatically. And so it's just learning to let the right side of my brain take over, and, and, it, and it works for me. Nice. No second guessing, no looking. I didn't even look at it. You know, I went right down the form, looking quickly, a pace scenario. I got the Tommy Bush dropping second, and I just circled the 12, and I did not look at that race again. It was death to me. Wow. Nice. All right. Was there, anything else, was there anything else you guys wanted to talk about before we get into some of the races here? Um, I, I, it'll come up as, as we go through the races, I'm sure. All right. So why don't we, uh, why don't we start going over the races? Um, we're going to start on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Uh, we're going to look briefly at race six because the first leg of the pick six. Uh, it's a $20,000 uh, claimer, non-winners of three lifetime, about seven and a half furlongs on the turf at Gulfstream, which is labeled a sprint. Uh, Tommy, I was talking to you for a second before we uh, we went on about that sprint, uh, seven and a half furlongs. What uh, you don't look at it as a sprint, I assume, right? No, two turn, two turns is a route, and one turn is a sprint. I don't care if it's a mile and a half, one turn, or five furlongs, two turns. Yeah. All right. So 
looking at this race, uh, you wanted me to start, I think, the first one. So I'm going to start uh, here. There's a horse I like a, a decent amount here. And Tommy's not going to like him because of the pace scenario. And that's the nine horse super high voltage. Uh, unfortunately, he's five to two. His race two back uh, at Presque Isle on October 12th. He was in an insane pace duel. Uh, it was him and a six to one shot who were way ahead, like eight lengths ahead of the rest of the field. And the six to one shot ended up fading so badly. He basically walked home 30 lengths behind. So to me, he put away the six to one shot big time. Yeah, he faded, but he was going to fade at that pace. Uh, his last race is on the dirt. I don't really, he's not really a dirt horse. So I didn't really look too much at it. Uh, but the way I do my speed figure wise and stuff like that, that 72 buyer, which he got, which I heard his Brisnet number wasn't very high, but uh, to me, that was like an 80 something buyer. I mean, he stands out based on that race. Now it was on the poly track or whatever they call it, the Tapita. So who knows how to transfer the turf. Uh, but his five furlong turf race was pretty good at Monmouth. He got squeezed and steady at the start was way back early and really had no shot on uh, his speed figure was respectable despite that, even though he really wasn't a threat. So I, I really think this horse is, um, is live. Looking at this race, there's just a lot of speed. That's the problem. Four horse has a lot of speed here up. We shouldn't be 30 to one. He's much better than that. The 11 horse smell of roses has speed and some others as well. So I can see how people would want closers here. Um, Tommy, is that how you saw it basically? Yeah, quick look at it. And I'll mention one thing about uh, like uh, uh, figures at Presque Isle and Woodbine. Every time a Presque Isle horse comes to Woodbine on figures, they stand out. So they're, they're really, the figures from Woodbine and Presque Isle, they don't jive. Oh, that scares me. <laughs> Presque Isle horses look a lot better than they are when they come to Woodbine and vice versa. And I think it just has to do with the guy making the numbers. All right, well, that's you know what? If you throw up his dirt races, those are that's a nice set of synthetic and one turf race there. So, I'm not against the horse's talent, just the pace scenario. Yeah, the, the, the one thing, like Tommy just said, the figures coming from Prescott to Woodbine just don't jive. That, that's the way it is, Penn National to uh, uh, any other track. The pen figures are, are way out of whack, and you know you have to be concerned about that. The one question I kind of have is about the two to one morning line favorite. Even though there's speed in his turf background, it's shown in his distance past that he can come off the pace. Tommy, do you ever look at a jock whose tendency is not to rush horses, whether they have speed or not? And, you know, this horse is going to take money just because it's Maker and Irad. Do you ever look at, uh, like, a jock and a jock's tendency as far as whether he, he, he gets horses out of the gate quickly or would take them back and possibly change what is, you know, staring you in the PPs? Yeah, you know, not that often. But, yeah, I know, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, you know, there was a scenario the other day where – Brian Lynch had two horses, Julian Leperu from the 11 hole and Paco from the rail and Julian's horse was faster. And the way my brain's working, I wouldn't be surprised if Paco goes to the front and Julian sits, but not Julian went to the front, Paco went to the back. I think Paco won actually, <laughs> but, but I try not that, that, that stuff just clutters things. You know what I mean? But I haven't, having said that, Conforto, horrible favorite, but if I had to single, it'd probably be him or another horse that's a horrible morning line. But yeah, one, one quick look at it, and Conforto kind of sticks out. 
I, what, do I want to bet on a horse like this? No way. <laughs> right. <laughs> it sets up for him. He's got a rider who's going to take him to the back. He's got yep. a position that's going to make it more likely for him to go to the back. You know, take any bright ideas of trying to go out and get position from there. Right. You know, Irad's going to do is let's sit at the back and then knock everybody out and run 50 feet. Right. And yeah, Maker has the five horse in there, too. Not, not that he needs to make sure to dictate a pace because there's plenty of it, but he's got the five deal on rocks as well, which is going to be speed. I'm sorry, go ahead, Eric. You want no, to well, I think Dylan's going to sit off the pace, too. But uh, Conforto, two back out of 73 buyer. He'd saved ground the whole way and got a really good setup. That was against better horses, though. But he kind of just sucked up on the rail there. In his last race, he wasn't good. He is dropping. Those are much better horses or significantly better. So we'll, we'll see how he runs. But he should get a good setup, as Tommy said. Uh, yeah, I mentioned you guys. Oh, go ahead, Tommy. What was that? Yeah, if you're looking at this at a multi-race bet, right? So you got Conforto. You got the seven horse who I'm not a fan of, but he's going to get a setup. Like that last race for 12 non-winners of two was his best race on the page in a while. And, you know, is he going to come back to that? I don't know. But the race sets up from, so the way I would play this race, I use 710 and the speed horse of your choice. But this is not a race I want any part of. <laughs> yeah, that, that seven horse, by the way, pretending I was telling uh, you before, that was the one race I missed the pick six mandatory payout last time at Gulfstream because he was my second choice and I singled that race. But I will say, for those who are interested in him, his race three back, so when he was on the turf September 20th at Monmouth, it doesn't say it in the PPs, but he was checked really badly on the second turn and lost several lengths and a lot of momentum. So he ran much, much better than it looks. And then he came back and won for fun last time with a wide trip. Brent, he got a good setup, but it was a wide trip. So he's not so bad, but he is stepping up from nominees of two to nominees of three and in price also, claiming price. So it might be a, a little steep, but this is not the toughest field. So um, I, I would agree with you, except I like the model. It's not much of a jump up. You know what I mean? If he can reproduce that race, he belongs in there. Yeah. So, so for me, I like the nine. I would probably pay the seven with him if I go too deep here. And then the two makers, a five and 10 figure as well. Um, and that's pretty much all I have in this race. So unless you guys want to add more, we can go on yep. to race seven. Race seven. Go ahead. All right. Tommy, you still want me to start or, or you want to go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Um, this is my single this race, uh, one of my singles, um, the four horse dog collection. I was hoping the morning line at Gulfstream is kind of meaningless, I think, because it's so bad, but hopefully you're not friends with the morning line maker, Tommy. Sorry if, I, if you are, but um, five to two morning line dog collection, <laughs> two back. Uh, it's set up for closers that race big time. He made a three wide move and he ran to get right up on the lead basically with um with the five to one shot who was up there who finished fifth and a three to one shot who also faded. I can't read. Oh, finished fourth. Um, and, and Pete Aiello, you called out during the race, pace of plenty. It was a really hot pace. So he made kind of an early wide move into the pace and still hung on. So I really liked his race two back. He also got a good speed figure compared to these last race was like a merry-go-round. No one changed position except he closed. And to me, that's, that's impressive. So both his last two races, are much, much, much better than they look on paper, I think. And with that, he's just much better than these, in my opinion. Uh, the five scares me because maybe Tommy can speak about this. He may be the only speed. Hopefully what GQ said about Irad not being the most aggressive early uh, holds sway, but he could be the lone speed potentially, unless you see it differently. You're better at that, Tommy. 
And then the seven, if it had, I wish it had a different jockey because with Angel Arroyo, I don't think the horse is going to get played and he's capable. I mean, he'll be three to one, seven to two. He won't not get played. But if he had I ride on him, he'd be like seven to five and I get a good price on the four. So I'm just singling the four here. Uh, I guess the five or seven are capable. The only long shot I thought had a shot really was the two. Um, I liked his last race. It was kind of a, a setup for closers uh, against much better. I know he faded badly, but at least he, he showed speed against some tough horses there before fading. I guess the one is capable, but his last couple haven't been too good. Uh, but I, I would tend to fade him, especially at a shorter price. So I'm singling the four. I don't mind the five and seven. I think they have a decent shot, but I'm not using them. And uh, the two would be my long shot if I was playing a, a long shot. Tommy, any thoughts? Yeah, just uh, just wondering what you think about the blinkers off on ball collection. Yeah, I don't know how to I don't know what to make. I mean, his figures before the blinkers off, when he added them, didn't really change much. Um, his workouts have been pretty good, although I don't know. You know, who knows? I like to see the workout reports. I'm assuming they took them off for the workouts. And the trainer, if it matters, has good numbers, albeit small sample with the blinkers off. So I, I don't – honestly, it doesn't even affect my opinion. What, what about you? Are you asking for a reason? Yeah, no, no, I don't mind it. It kind of suits the jockey and his style. So if they're going to take a hold the, – the only thing I would add is the one horse, uh, Halawala, you know, he had some real nice races at the beginning of his career with Ashmussen. Mm -hmm. You know, you never know with a horse like this if he got his running shoes back on. You know, his, his best races are better than these, but I don't know. He had a long layoff. Yeah, you, know, and, you, know, you know, on the trainer change, you're getting odds, you know? So I don't know. That that would be my only, you know, I, I like your horse. I think your horse will be tough to beat. If Irad wins, you know, what are you going to do? Yeah. Do you see the <laughs> pace there? Not my type. Tommy, as far as the, yeah, as far as the trainer changes, do you ever put any weight into that? Especially when it's a, high-profile trainer that actually has a presence and can run the horse at that particular track and, you know, kind of goes to a lesser-known trainer. Um, do, do you let that boggle your uh, handicapping? Yeah, not really, because you never know what the real reason is, right? Did Ashmussen have enough of the horse or did Al-Rashid get pissed off and fire Ashmussen? Right. <laughs> you never know what's come of it, right? But you know, when, when horses have have a a break, right? Yeah. You know, it is quite a break. Has a, have a, you know gave them one break. Horse ran craps. Now it's given them another break. Most likely, you know, I'm I'm not really gonna bet this horse. I don't expect much. But sometimes even a, a lesser trainer who spends his time might turn him around and and only has to turn him around for one race. Hmm. Now. I know we want to talk a little betting too. So let me ask you a question for people out there and for me. So let's say I think the four is winning this race. It's my single. And the only other horses I see winning or doing well are the five and seven and the two with an outside chance. If you were me and that's what you liked, how would you play that? Would you just do like a four, two exactly and hope for the price to come in with the four? No, I, I wouldn't play with a horse. I wouldn't play a single race fight with a horse like that in a million years. Those Who's odds. Oh, the four, you're saying it's too short? Yeah, he'd be cold in my exotics, and I wouldn't even, you know, from the way you you spoke about the race, he should be a single with no Bs, no Cs, no nothing, and that's it. So you wouldn't play the race vertically at all then? No, 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 no. Okay, interesting. No, especially when you have three three different opinions behind them? No, pass, out. All right. Anything, uh, GQ, you want to add anything before we go on, or anyone? No, Good. no. I'm just enjoying the, the banter. It's, it's awesome. Right. 
<laughs> All right, race race eight. Uh, I shouldn't say what kind of race it is because I, I well before, before we go on, I thought Tommy was really going to dig into race seven because it was a six furlong on the dirt, and I, I I'm I'm expecting more of an opinion on these dirt races, Tommy. Yeah, no, it's a blurry pace scenario because you got horses that have gone to the front at six that decided not to go anymore. So, gotcha. Yeah, believe me, I looked at that race. I looked at that race, but yeah, that, that's that's about what I came up with. The, the the blinkers off on the four. He'll take a seat. Hopefully, there's enough speed, and if there isn't, he's a you know he's a type of horse that won't be too far behind either. Yeah, that's interesting. I got I must have got the early early edition of the PPs because it doesn't indicate blinkers off on well, the if, early if, PPs. If you spent a few more bucks for the DRF, you'd uh, you'd have the accurate information. So uh, yeah. <laughs> actually, oh, I wouldn't pay for the it. hieroglyphics from Kentucky. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Race eight. Uh, optional claimer allowance. Optional claiming sixty-two thousand. Now we're using two. Other than at a mile and a sixteenth on the turf, I can still see. That's good. I'm getting old, but not there yet. All right. In this race, I thought there was a standout, and I'm actually curious to ask Tommy a question about this. But I thought there was a standout here. This is a race I'm probably going to single two in the pick six, so I'm going to have two singles in a row. Um, and that's a horse who I don't think will be this big odds, but I hope he is the seven uh, Grand Journey. This is a horse who two and three races back was just much better than these, ran much better than these, speed figure wise, uh, just trip wise, etc. Uh, I'll try to be quick, but June 12th is race three back. It was a race that kind of favored speed, and he had a wide trip and just ran really well and, and had a higher speed figure than any of these. And then July 8th in Indiana, uh, Grand, a 75,000, I guess, was an overnight stakes race. But it was a, a good field. The Black Album was a solid horse one, and there was a couple other good horses in there, and I, can't, I didn't write it down, but there were some other horses that were stakes winners that were in there. And this was a race that favored speed big time. A 10-to-1 shot, had an easy lead in the race, held on for second. A four-to-one shot was second the whole way and won. The horse who was in third stayed third the whole way. Um, and this horse was the only one that closed. He and he, you know, he came in fourth, but he was literally a nose out of second. If there was another like two steps in the race, he comes in second. Uh, and he had a bad start too. It was pretty bad to start. So his race two back was great. Now here's the question: Last race sucked. I mean, he was just bad. But it was a, a soft turf course at Kentucky Downs. It was a grade three race, much tougher than these. He was running against Arklow, I mean, for, for goodness sake, Zulu Alpha, et cetera, Red Knight. These are ports again, 100 buyers. So to me, I'm just totally throwing out that race, going back to his two and three back. And he, I don't towers over the field, but he's significantly better than these, in my opinion. Do you just toss a race like that, Tommy, or, or does that concern you that he ran so poorly? Uh, when they're seven to two in the morning line, I toss the horse. When they're fifteen to one in the morning line, I toss the last race. <laughs> <laughs> if you, you know, I'll, I'll tell you one thing with watching Mike Maker's horses at Gulfstream. At two minutes to post, I'll tell you if this horse is live or not. Because I've seen too many three, four to ones in the program off a bad race. They're eight to one going in the gate, and they run like they're eighty to one. Huh. Yep. See, I thought this one would be like, um, like five to two, two to one morning line. Maybe I'm wrong, but. I hope that last race scares off a lot of people too. I, I hope, but we'll see. But that's the horse that I see. After that, I honestly, I have no clue. I would probably give an edge to the one, but he's three to one. So I don't want to take a short price if I don't really love the horse compared to others. Two back to one horse, Grays Creek, had a, a great trip, saved ground, swung out late. Uh, he did win for fun, breaking his maiden. Then he went up to the uh, 1X level, 
and he won, but he also got a very good trip. I'm not usually one on like visual, like, wow, that horse was visually impressive, but watching the replay, he was actually visually impressive the way he closed late. Now he had a great trip and it was against weaker horses. So maybe the visual part is kind of impacted by that. And I shouldn't give him as much credit. Um, but I, I just, I like the way he finished so much. So I give him a, I mean, he's posted inside, which shouldn't hurt. He should save ground. I would give him a slight edge over the others. Um, I, I kind of like the two Tim Hill's horse too. Uh, his race two back was pretty good at Laurel, uh, where he was um, pushed by a seven to one shot who ended up fading to the back and um, a six to five shot moved on him early and only got second. So not that the pace fell apart, but uh, the DRF puts these letters in. We've talked about this before, GQ, where it's like S or C for like speed right. or close or favorite. And they, to me, they are the – I love it because I hope it sways people away. There was no way that was a speed-favoring race. That's, that's BS there. But um, he ran well too. So I can see him. I don't know. I, I'm just going to single the seven and hope that last race was an aberration against much better and a soft turf. So I'm not, I'm not spreading it all here. Uh, the 12 is 5-2 to two with uh, Motion I Love and IRAS. You're getting great connections. He had an amazing trip two back, same in ground, where he got an 87 buyer, and he came in second uh, to your horse, GQ Doswell. Doswell, an easy lead that race, and this guy just kind of sucked up behind him, and I wasn't that impressed. He ran better last time, but he also he saved ground last time like crazy. He was up in Canada, so maybe Tommy, if he was still watching the races there, remembers it, but he saved ground. Uh, he did lack room in the stretch. He kind of had to maneuver and weave his way out and finally got free and won pretty easily. But the fact that he saved ground, I thought at least made up for the trouble, if not was better than, you know, the trouble cost him, if that makes sense. So in other words, even with the trouble, I thought it wasn't that impressive. So he could definitely win, but I was not in love with him. If I could, I'd actually lead to the three, I think, who at least is improving maybe. Uh, where I don't know if this horse still is. So anyway, long-winded way of saying I like the seven grand journey. I don't really love anyone else. Yeah, we're going to talk about woodbine horses. You know, the nine, the nine interests me a little because Rogers horses, they really, they, they get a lot better race to race. So far, the horses he's run have been a bit short at Gulfstream, the horses that he's run at Gulfstream. But I can see the nine getting a good trip and, and really improving. And, and those C's and the thing, they were right for those two days because they really, they really went at it. Those were real too fast races, one on the Poly 47-1 is insanity and on the inner track 47 and three ain't slow either yeah that that that's the the horse i was going to point out because i don't know maybe i'm i'm looking at this wrong but where's the other speed uh luis is on the kingmeister all right but here here's the thing and maybe i'm wrong but this is on the turf and look at uh, his only turf race. He comes off the pace. GQ. Yeah, GQ, you remember that race? Think about that race. Oh, you remember God, who was yeah, in that race? Yeah. Montauk yeah, Daddy, my horse, who went ahead by 27 lengths for some reason yeah. and ended up coming in last. So, yeah, like Tommy was sorry, saying, yeah. sorry, I cut him off, but that's, uh, yeah, I wouldn't yeah, worry no, about I that. saw the 21 and 4. I threw the turf race out. Just look at all the other races. The horse can go 22 and 4, 45 going a one turn mile at Gulfstream, right? Right. And Luis Ayas. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, speaking of jockeys who get horses out of the gate. And then, like, uh, you know, a funny horse in this race, Clear Destination, which I really love the trainer change. Billy Theranos is a real good trainer, I will find. 
I don't know what this horse is going to do. You know, he comes off the pace at a mile. He goes to the front at five furlongs. If you look through his paper, you know, it's like, you don't know, you know, call this horse Sybil. Like, I don't know who's going to show up. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't talk you, all, you or anyone off of it. This horse on his best day, which is not too often, can be dangerous. And it looks like he's training real good at Gulf Spring. Yeah, he's had great setups in all three of his races, his last three. So I wouldn't talk you off a twenty to one shot if you like him. You know that's great, but uh, no. But these horses, those horses, he's running against real killers, man. I'm telling you, and he and he's he's not doing the same thing. Six on the turf, six and a half poly, mile, mile, six on the turf. You know, and I really, I'm telling you, I really, really, really like the trainer change a lot. Yeah. All right. I'll keep my eye on the horse then, maybe. Because uh, I, I didn't. Yeah, know it's not a race to, to for me to zone in on anyone. You know, Chad Brown, maiden winner, non-winners of one winner, no surprise. You know, there's this. This is a race for the guys. The guys who looking to throw horses out, they're gonna have a headache. <laughs> well, I hope you're right because I said I'm singling the seven here, so I hope people go deep and uh, I get value for uh, for one of the favorites or the favorite here. But, uh, yeah, people see Chad, they'll bet him. They see Motion Ira, they'll bet him. So I, I should get a decent price on seven. I just hope the horse can run. I'm reluctant to bet horses who come off the pace, uh, single horses, not bet, but single horses who come off the pace because they rely on a trip and he might not get much of a pace here. But, uh, yeah, I don't uh, – I, yeah, I think he might horse. end up getting more of a pace than you think. I hope – well, I don't think – when I handicap, we talked about this before – and I know this is a huge part of the main part of your handicapping. I don't look at the pace too much. I think it's partly because I'm from New York and there's never a pace in a race. So you try and look and, oh, the speed, and it never pans out. So I kind of got gun shy about it. So unless it yeah, really so looks like a ton of speed York, or no speed. What's that? Yeah, you shouldn't play New York. I shouldn't play New York? No, no, one, no one in their right mind should play Naira. Saratoga is nice. It's, you know, beautiful place. And they have quality horses, great tracks to watch. I wouldn't bet that garbage with, with stolen money. Now, let me ask you, why, why is that? Well, one of the reasons you, you said, two reasons have the same last name. And I can go on and on, and I don't want to be mean and get sued, but F that place. All right. <laughs> I won't make you expand on that. <laughs> I won't get you in trouble, but all right. Listen, um, I changed my life. I, I only played New York. Somebody steered me off New York, and my life changed. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've heard you say that. If you want to bet New York, you're romantic. Okay, you love great horse racing. There is great horses there. But if you want to gamble on New York racing, good luck to you. <laughs> All right. Before we move on, to, uh, I think we're ready to go on to the next race, unless you guys want to add anything else. No, no we're I'm good. good. All right, let's go race nine. The, I should probably know the name of it. The Via Borghese, if that's how you say it. I might have made it Italian, and it's not. $100,000 stakes race on the turf, kind of long, a mile and three sixteenths for the girls. And there's a couple of horses in here who are interesting to me. Um, I think Tommy's going to be happy with my pick because uh, it's a Canadian horse, so maybe he'll like me. Uh, one horse I want to talk about first is Traipsing. This is a horse who I singled uh, on September 26th in that race in my pick five. I, I don't remember. I think I hit it, actually. I hope I hit it. But 13-1 uh, won the race. However, got an easy lead in the race and just kind of walked around the track with no pace. So last race, he, uh, she comes back in that grade three Long Island handicap. And I want to say Clement had the winner also, Muda Makina is a Clement. And 
This horse, Traipsing, again, had a very easy lead, but still ran pretty well to almost hang on in that race. But it really was kind of an easy lead. So her figures are good. She's improving. I like the horse in the past. I, I don't know. I mean, unless she can get an easy lead, which she probably won't here. I don't even think she'll be on the lead, but that's another story. Um, so, and I love Junior Alvarado. Not that it affects me, but uh, GQ knows he's like my favorite jockey. If I had one because he's so underrated. So Traipsing is a tough horse, I think. But I don't know. He's gotten such good scenarios. I'm not sure if I should stick with him. The horse I like the most, I think, is the. And I'm curious what you say because you know a lot more about him. The three court return. Yeah, I, I hate court returns. So oh no! <laughs> so last race, <laughs> last race, he. I thought he ran really well. Before that, I didn't like him. But his last race was really good. So I actually wrote down: Was that an aberration, or is he just a she a better horse now? So tell me why I should not like court return. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I, I'm, you're making me go look at the last race now, right? But, but he's got lucky in so many races. You, you start, you know, the horse is getting a lot, gotten a lot better. But he was running against dogs, and I'm, I'm gonna go look at that last. Right? I, I, I think uh, my, my notes on the last race got cut off slightly early and was flying by the winner uh, late. And it was a race that I don't think favored speed or closing. It was kind of an even race. I was a grade one race and almost won a grade one race. So 41 to one gets off slow a lot. So that worries me, I guess. The other thing I like too, is if you look last year, uh, 2019, his best speed figure came at a mile and a quarter. And that was the only race that long. Everything else was shorter. So his best race, I assume, I didn't really look at the race, but his best race last year, uh, I would think was when he went long. And then when he went long this year, a mile and a quarter, he stepped up, or she stepped up a lot too. So I'm thinking the horse just likes going long. I think there'll be enough pace that the horse can close. It's not a horse I would single just because, again, I, I need a trip. And there is a question if the horse is that good. But I'm thinking that last race was just a step up. The horse has improved now. I remember you telling me about Josie Carroll when we had you on that she just gets horses to steadily improve and then they just keep getting better. I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth, but I think you said that. So No, 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 no. You're right. This horse, like I'm telling you, this horse was running against horses should have 10 claimers, those 40,000 right. optional races. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Hopefully the horse, might, you know, for me at least, hopefully the horse has improved enough uh, that, and the distance is good. So that's why, like, as you, you know, finish up looking or whatever you're doing there. Um, so the, the three is the main horse I like. I still think traipsing has a good shot. Um, the six horse is a horse I want to talk about quickly, too, because this is a horse who last race – uh, was on a yielding turf horse, one of the very slow, th those couple days of just rain like forever, uh, like for three days straight in New York. Uh, the next day they ran it with soft. So it was a really, really soft turf course, even though less than yielding. And the horse did absolutely nothing. I don't know if GQ remembers that race. That was a race where I liked Luck Money, who was a six horse at 10 to one. And then I liked, um, I think Muna Makina, who ended up coming back and winning. And then I liked this horse. So I used those three. And Campbellese did zero running. I mean, it was awful. So I don't know if the horse just isn't that good or not. The race before got a nice speed figure going a mile and a half at Keeneland, but got a pretty good setup. Um, you know, I think closers had a little bit of an edge that race. So I wasn't sure what to do in the last race, but I kind of like the horse. I'm not sure if I should throw the horse out totally, but I'm going to get a price. I think I'll get at least eight to one, if not more. So it's a horse I'll probably use as well. So I'm kind of like three and then the two six. And then the two favorites on the outside both have a decent shot. I'm not against them. Uh, Great Island in nine for Chad Brown. September 17th, uh, breaking his maiden. I thought had it pretty easy up front. 
there was a 23 to one shot in that race who went ahead like by 10 lengths or not 10 lengths, obviously four lengths, whatever it says here was like rank and the jockey couldn't control and that horse ended up fading. After that was a merry-go-round. No one passed anybody. So I didn't love the race too back. And the last race ran better. Um, had a two to three wide trip. So definitely improved. Speed figure was the same, but, but improved because the 81 fire two back was not really an 81 and the 82 last time was probably a little better than that. So the horse is improving, could improve again, but do I want to take three to one on a horse that, you know, has to improve again, which could. Then OB Shopping is a nice horse, ran well two back. Last time, I'm curious what you think about that, Tommy, too. I don't know if you watched the race or not, but uh, Chase Blaine Debbie in that grade three race with zero pace, followed Blaine Debbie. They had a protracted duel through the stretch, but they ran so slow early, they both had a lot left, and he just couldn't go by Blaine Debbie. They couldn't run it around again. She wasn't going by Blaine Debbie. But it's a nice horse. Again, do I want five to two favorite on the horse i don't know when i see these other horses that i like so i'm mostly two three six though it is a race i can see spreading on i don't think the four and five are without a chance either um all right so hopefully i bought you some time there uh any any thoughts tommy you want to add hopefully yeah no i, I just remember you know the court return comes running last time you know that was like the worst i'm not taking anything away from any horse but that was the worst version of the ep taylor ever because of non-euros really but if you look down, you know, the one horse, the one horse, <laughs> court return beat the one horse, you know, five starts down off a perfect trip, in my opinion, a lot better trip than Gun Society who, who fought. You know, mm. I just I just can't get behind that horse. And Josie Carroll's come here over the years and just obliterate horses, ruin their careers for some reason. <laughs> they come here, you know, running over their heads and yeah, if you want to look at that last race, D.P. Taylor, she's a sticko. You want to look at the rest of them, definite pitch. So yeah. I'm with the first horse you talked about. I like I like horses like tra traipsing, that you know there's not much speed and, and the horse is one off the pace. So you know the horse is one for mate, and you know he's got. I know he won with an easy lead and got probably an easy <clears throat> lead, but when these turf horses start stepping up like that. So, you know, I, I didn't really look closely at the pace scenario, but, you know, basically might get another walk in the park. Yeah, I mean, always shopping had some speed, but not really that fast. I, I, I'm not a pace guy, but there's really not a ton here, so. Yeah, you know, and I, and I ride a guy, if, you know, he'll sit right off that horse, probably run him down maybe, but he, he's not going to go with that horse. He's not one of these guys that's going to come sitting outside and pumping like in an overnight turf race where you get some 70 to 1 just going. Right. Right. So, and, you know, I don't know but for figure players, right? But, you know, it looks like the horse is getting better and better and better. And Oh, yeah, absolutely. Traipsing. And, and it's a horse I said. I've single before and I like the horse. So I'm definitely going to use here, too. GQ, what were you going to say? Yeah, I just have a general question for, for Tommy. Since this is a uh, mile and three sixteenths race on the turf, whenever there's a race, say there's a race for, you know, mile and a half, or further, or I'm sorry, mile and eighth or further, regardless of the surface, typically it's turf. And none of the horses, they're, they're all going this distance for the first time, meaning they've never been in a race of this distance or further. Do you, do you look at that race any differently? Um, because like in, in this, it, it doesn't, my, my question doesn't fit in, in this race because seven of the nine have gone at least this distance, but where 
they're all being introduced. This is the furthest they're going to be asked to go in a race. How, how do you handicap it if you handicap it any different? I take, I take it from uh, ages ago watching Harvey Pack. And he said, uh, Belmont Park has a couple of nice bars, a few good places to eat, a great gift shop, and this would be a great time to visit one. <laughs> <laughs> Something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't like races like that, man. I hate these longer turf races, you know. Yeah. Now, let me ask you a betting question, too. Because like the mile and a half races, I hate, right? Just I not not the the decent horses, but I usually look at those type of races for where it's cheaper horses, and I say, show me a horse that has at least compete, you know has run in a race, has been asked to go that far. I don't care where he finished, just that, you know, he's been in competition. And for some reason, that that kind of has has helped me hit some prices in the past. Yeah, or, you know, show me a horse that wants to run that far that's never run. You can look at it so many ways. Sure. Let me ask you a betting question before we move on, because we want to focus on that a little bit. Um, let's say I do, I know you don't agree with me, but let's say I do like the three, a uh, significant amount here. And I like the two, that's my other horse. And maybe the six who's, um, and let's say the morning lines are accurate. So yeah, three, six to one, my main horse, a little behind seven to two, the two, although I like them somewhat similar. And then the, um, the six is my clear third choice at eight to one. And I don't really love anyone else. I mean, I can see other horses winning. It's not like they're no good, but that's my main three. H how would you play that if you were me? Well, if, if the three is your only A, it's hard to take a B that's lower odds, in my mind. <coughs> so, so you wouldn't bet them together? You just – I'm talking about vertical betting. I'm sorry. You're talking about in uh, within uh, just like an exactor triactor kind of yeah. bet? Yes, exactly. Yeah, three with two, six try, and that's it, if anything. And you wouldn't box it, or, or would you box no, it? No, 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 no. Either no. three on top? No, 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 no. All right. No, no. All right. I like the way you play. Long term, Eric. What's that? You know, when, when you look at the, the grand scope of things, it's just to cash a ticket and play a race. It doesn't really get, get you anywhere. That's three, two, that, six, that, six, two, try, and that's it. Right. That, that's almost like saying you like a horse, but you're going to bet him win place. Kind of the same <laughs> exactly. thing. Yeah, you no, like the trifecta or exactly. Just three two six three six two. That's it. Try move on. No exactness. No nothing. And if you if you really love the horse, you're probably better off betting him to win at six to one. Yeah. I, if it wasn't for the fact that he was a big closer or she was a big closer, I, I would love the horse. I'm just a little worried about the the trip. But um, all right. So now we have a seven furlong dirt race. So Tommy's gonna like it. Hopefully, um, it's the Mr. Prospector Grade Three. I thought it came up with a pretty good field here. Um, we got a 12 horse field, uh, a lot of decent horses here. Uh, the horse, well, let's start with the nine friends fire because I assume he'll be the favorite. Uh, this is a horse I was very much against. Was it last week or two weeks ago when performer ran? Uh, I was hoping the horse would run, but they scratched the horse in New York in a grade one, the weakest grade one race of all time, but it was a grade one. And I didn't like friends fire in that spot. I, I thought performer wouldn't lose and performer ran like crap. Came in third, but ran terribly. But anyway, Friends Fire, this is a much, I don't want to say much easier spot because it's not, but it is a grade three. It's deeper the field. You don't have, you know, one horse that stands out per se that he has to beat. Um, this is a horse who 
ran in the Breeders' Cup sprint, which I think personally was the weakest Breeders' Cup sprint of my lifetime. I, I didn't like it at all. I, I didn't think the horse was that good. I'm glad Whitmore won, but I think that was a very weak field. I thought he had a good trip there. You know, he was surprisingly far back, but he didn't have trouble. He mostly saved ground. It was too wide. You know, closes did fine in the race. So I don't love the horse. Before that, ran in the grade two, the Vosberg, where, you know, he sat off a pace that wasn't really that fast. And uh, again, it wasn't the strongest field in the world either, I thought, for a grade two. So he's had some soft fields, I think, for the level. This is still a drop, but not least that big of a drop. So the horse can definitely win for his five. I'm not against him like I was last week or two weeks ago, whenever it was. But it wouldn't be my, my main pick here. The horse I like the most, I'm betting a lot of horses who had shitty races last time, and I'm hoping that they're going to come back and run well because that's the way to go broke, I think. But Majestic Dunhill, the five horse uh, for George Weaver, Joe Bravo. This is a horse who, two back, GQ and I did a show covering uh, Belmont, and it was the bold ruler. So GQ, I don't know if you remember that race, but it was a small field. Fat Man was in the race that we both wanted to bet against. And Fat Man ended up getting scratched. I was very disappointed. And he ran the other day. And I don't remember how he did, but he didn't win, I know. Um, but Majestic Dunhill ran very well that day, I thought. Um, there was not a, a ton of pace on. And he ran down, shared the ride. He was a decent horse, but he had an easy lead that day, pretty much. And I was very impressed. Horse got a 100 buyer, which is very uh, solid figure, if accurate. Yeah, 97 before that, so you know it's probably somewhat accurate. Last race, going in, I wasn't sure what to do with him because of the six furlongs more than anything and there didn't seem like a ton of pace so betting a horse that prefers to close going shorter than ever and uh why well, i said no pace in the race so it, it was uh iffy proposition and i don't think i used him last time but my point is i can forgive that race because of that and then if you watch the race he got squeezed back it says fidgety in the gate he got squeezed back real bad at the start and was way back and between it being too short and no pace he was not closing so I'm willing to forgive that race. I know you said you're more willing to forgive a, a 10 to 1 race than a 7 to 2, whatever the odds were. So the fact that there'll be a price here, I hope I get at least 10 to 1. This is a horse I like the most. I, I wouldn't say it would be a single for me in the pick six because of the fact that, um, you know, it's, it's a little risky proposition there. But to me, I can excuse last race, and therefore he's as good as anyone, if not better. So I'm with Majestic Dunhill as my main bet. I do think Friends Fire uh, is going to be tough. I've always been a Sleepy Eyes Todd fan. Ever since we watched him at um, Fonner Park, I think I singled him at Fonner Park. He was like 6-1 to one morning line that day, or 8-1 to one morning line. And, of course, the morning line at Fonner is like golf shoes, so it doesn't mean anything. He ends up going off at 7-5, to five, so it wasn't anything exciting. But I've always been a fan of this horse. Two back, he had no shot against Improbable. Uh, you can kind of toss that race. Uh, and maximum security for whatever it's worth was in the race, too. Last race, I can't watch the replay because, unfortunately, it was on the Breeders' Cup undercard. There was a breakdown. I want to say the uh, horse with the name Aiden, Austin Aiden, or something like that, broke down very sad in the stretch. So I couldn't watch the race. I did look at the charts, the full charts, to see the comments, and uh, it didn't say anything about having trouble. So I, I don't know. This is a little short for the horse, but he won last time. I think he got a good setup, though. So he could win. I, there's a lot of horses here who could win. I don't, you know, I don't really like a long shot to three or whatever. I don't see, except for the three, anyone winning this would not shock me. I kind of like the two. His last race was pretty good. Uh, so, you know, he's one that would, I would prefer, I guess. So, again, I, I'm on the five. I think the nine's going to be tough. The eight wouldn't shock me, even though that's a chalk also. Uh, and I guess the two would be my other horse. But I can see people going deep here. So I'm probably going to go short to go opposite people. And I'm just going to go five, nine, I think, in this race. I might throw in the two uh, if he's a price. All right, Tommy, thoughts? 
All right. Uh, you know, it's tough. I don't, you know, a lot of, a couple good horses in here coming out of Breeders' Cup uh, race, the Breeders' Cup sprint. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure, you know, you know, you know, you know, they were fully loaded for those races. Who knows where they stand today for this race? So it's kind of a little easy to bet against them. I got it down to two horses and even though he's probably going to run off the TV screen, I'm not going to take eight to five on Hytel because they come for every pletcher at this meet and they all run off the screen. So don't be surprised. You heard it here first. Hytel is going to be eight to five. I, I'd be shocked, but all right. I hope so. Every horse, every horse today, first time starter, two to five. doesn't matter. They all get bet off the, and they all, they're like, it's like they're predetermined races with the top pledger at Gulfstream. All right. Well, I hope you're right. Well, I hope you're right about the odds, not the results, but I hope you're right about the odds. Yeah. No, but I, I like a horse in here. I'm, I'm going to play the, this is the, probably the only race I'll play. I'm going to play Zenden, the 11 horse. I like him too, actually. Go ahead. Tell us why. Thank you. Just when you, when you look at the pace scenario, there's a bunch of horses in here that can be on the lead, but you know, 22 and change, you know, 22 and four, 23 type horses. You know, here's a horse that's come close to 21 and four, you know, a length off. Uh, 21 and two last time at Laurel, even though he quit, but he's back home to Carlos David's backyard. And if you go down on the page, that Hooper race last year, a mile at this track, that race puts him in the winner's circle. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't really see real true speed. I see horses like Ferenc Fire and... Uh, Majestic Dunhill that are kind of stalkers, right? You know, Cool Arrow, I don't know. You know, Wind of Change, are they really that fast? I see Zenden clearing and catch me if you can. Yeah, his, um, his race last year in the Fred Hooper, not only did he get a buyer uh, figure that was um, good enough to win this, like you said, he was in a huge duel. I want to say with rare form, but I'm not sure. And Fat Man, that's why I was against Fat Man, because he got like perfect setups every time he ran last year. Batman was able to close into a monster pace. So he ran amazing, um, Zenden. And I probably should have mentioned, I'm glad you did, actually. I'm definitely using him if I can get anything like that price uh, for maybe a little different reason than you. But um, definitely. Like, I mean, last race, he got off a little slow. And he was in a big duel last race, too. Carlos Davis, David Horses. Uh, I think he was, uh, I don't want you to say anything and get you in trouble, but he was a uh, service assistant. And his horses seem to get 30 points better when he gets them. So um, that can't hurt either. So I definitely like him. So you mentioned two horses, then. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, seven furlong race, one turn, you know, seven furlong races and mile races at Gulfstream Park. You know, for Victor Barbosa, he was second in the swale. You know, the, then in the Mr. Prospector, he had no chance after the start. You know, yeah, I guess it's just... Fred Hooper, the Gulfstream mile, and then the layoff, right? And is he back or, you know... That's the you know, question. Pretty, it's kind of fishy where he wins his first race back, the next race, the front bandages go on, right? Mm -hmm. So it could be the end of Zenden. I don't know, but look where they put him. Yeah, and you're getting the price, so why not take a shot? Yeah, where were you? You know, look at the spot they put him in. I, I'd be surprised if he's racing. I'd say they scratch put him in, a, in another spot, but if he's in here, you know, then I can throw that last race out, even though he had the front side. Was there another horse you liked too, or uh, or did no, you mention? Hotel, top pledgers get bet off the board, or even they don't get bet off the board. Everything like right now, top pledgers running better. He he might as well his his 
lineage must be service on one side, Navarro on the other side, the way it works. <laughs> it's just unreal. And, and I don't want to hear the argument, well, he has uh, expensive horses and all that. Tell it to someone else. You had those same horses at Belmont and Saratoga and Aqua, they don't run like that. They come down here and barazoom, barazoom, barazoom. You know what I mean? Like, it's just unreal. They like the heat, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. He should marry Georgina Baxter. <laughs> I think we're, uh, we're going to have to put out a little uh, waiver before this or something. Uh, we're going to get uh, everyone mad at us here. But I didn't say nothing. I agree. I know. I, I agree with you. Nothing. And I agree with you. I didn't say anything about Carlos Sandy. Um, all right. So you're, you're going to try the 11 for the price there. And if he is the same horse at all, then he has a really good shot assuming he's running. And if not, well, you took a shot with the 20 to 31. So, so be it. I like the, uh, I like yep. the thoughts. Um, I already mentioned what I like, I, and I do agree with you on the 11. Uh, but to me, it's going to be, you know, the five is the horse I'm going to key around. And let me ask you a vertical betting question there too. If, if I do like the five the most, and he, let's say he has 10 to one, because I think he will be. What, um how would you play that race if you were me where you don't really love a horse after him? Would you just bet win or, or would you not bet vertically and just bet like doubles, pick threes, things like that? Yeah. I try to stick to doubles and pick threes. If, if I had, you know, if I had a strong opinion, like, you know, I'm, and then two other horses that I could play exact the boxes with and play him, you know, sure. I'll play that if I have no strong opinion in the other races for a double or whatever. Right. All right. GQ, do you want to, uh, you want to add anything before I go on here? It would help if you unmute yourself, GQ, I think, but. Or wake up. Well, his mouse moving, so I think he's awake and alive. <laughs> Sorry oh, there he is. I put, myself, I put myself on mute because I had a coughing spasm. Uh, so it had nothing to do with what was being said. Now, I, the, the cheaper the race, the better. So whenever there's a race that has a G with a number followed by it, I kind of get lost in, in all the hype of uh, the horses. So, um, now I'm. I, I, I can't add anything that uh, is worth uh, being put on this podcast. So take us home with the 11th race. All right. We kept Tommy a long time, which I appreciate, Tommy. Thank you so much. So we'll try and wrap it up here, finish up. Uh, race 11 at Gulfstream, going a mile on the turf. Uh, this is not a race I love because you have so many either first-time starters or first-time turf horses. And pedigree play and stuff like that, that's really not my strength. I do look it up and all, but I don't really know what I'm doing with it. So having said all that, the seven has some pretty good uh, breeding going on. 15 to one if the morning line's right, but this is an impossible race to get some morning line anyway, so it's probably not right. Uh, Brian Lynch, not necessarily a first-time starter trainer, but he capable. And I usually don't like first who's going two turns. However, this is a horse, if I can read my notes here, is a full sibling to an uh, admission office, you've probably heard of, a, a grade and stakes winner, grade three winner, grade two place. Uh, he also, that horse, uh, admission office, won first out going long on the turf. The horse is also a half to uh, Coffee Click, who is a grade one winner on the turf, who also won, won his first start. And he's a half to a horse uh, that ran at Woodbine, who Tommy might know, I, I'm not familiar with him, King Fury, sounds familiar, who won a grade two, no, grade two place and grade three place at Woodbine. So the full sibling is excellent turf horse. They're precocious early. Uh, three of the nine, um, the moms, three of nine babies, if you will, in a race uh, have one first out. So I, I'd give a, a look to the seven. And one thing I do is uh, I get, luckily I get the workout reports for free because I bet enough money, I guess. And 
the workout report is going to tell me a lot in this race to see if I want to play anyone. And, and they're, they've been pretty accurate, actually. When they give them, like, the DRF workout reports, when they give a horse a B plus, they generally have been running very well. So um, I'll look for that to see if anyone's getting it. Um, the three horse has good breeding for the turf also. Um, this is the first fall, but the mom, Tommy might know, also strut the course. Uh, won uh, two grade two races at Woodbine, won the Canadian and the Dance Smartly um, up in Canada. So definitely done well on the turf. American Pharaohs, from what I know, do fairly well on the turf so far, although they probably do well anywhere. So the three interests me. Uh, and GQ's trainer, Jack Sisterson, he likes. So the three would be interesting. Has some rays under his belt now trying to turf. Uh, and as far as the words he ran before, I thought the two ran a pretty good race first out. Got a 57 by or nothing special, Kentucky Downs. But the horse had a slightly slow start. It looked like he brushed the gate. Um, not a slightly, he had a slow start, not slightly slow. It was slow. Um, looked like he brushed the gate, though. It was hard to tell. And then had a very wide trip. And speed held really well that race. And it was a first-time starter. So out of the horses who ran on the turf before, I would prefer the two. So I'm going to lean on the two a lot and the seven and maybe the three. And then I'm going to go work out reports beyond that. The outside horses didn't really thrill me, even though they're short prices. Uh, the nine, the Chad Brown horse had really no turf breeding. I know it's Chad Brown, Irad, so A, don't get bet, which I hope he does. But I can't endorse it at a short price with no reason. And the 11 horse for Pletcher, like Tommy said, Pletcher's horse is getting bet, so I hope he does. I just hope he doesn't run. Um, the, the mom's side has no turf racing whatsoever. The only decent um, horse that the mom's thrown was Shagaf, who ran uh, fifth in the Wood Memorial and ran the Derby, didn't finish. I think it was a McLaughlin horse, so I could be wrong. Um, but no turf breeding. The dirt races, I didn't really look too closely at. Uh, probably okay, but you know, I don't want to pay a short price because the horse ran well in the dirt and hoping he'll run on the turf. So I'm, I'm betting again, unless the workout reports come back glowing, I'm betting against the 9 and 11 definitely here. Uh, I'm mostly 2, 3, 7. Uh, and just to throw it out there, the 1, 4, 5 would be the other horses that I'm leaning to a little bit uh, based on like breeding and, and things like that. Um, Tom, you have any thoughts on this race? Because I definitely need help. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to ask you a question. If you know, but with talking about Brian Lynch with firsters, what his numbers are with firsters on Lasix opposed to firsters without Lasix. I have no. I, I could look it up. I guess I probably couldn't do it right in two seconds here. But um, yeah, look at it. I don't know. Talking. All right. Hopefully, I can get into a formulated here. All right. Go ahead. You guys talk for. Yeah, no, this is a tough race. The horses that have run already. I'm going to have to do some replay work. The four, the fours race at Keeneland catches my eye, but I don't remember it. I'm going to have to go. Definitely, that's the first one I'm going to look at. I'm with you, like on the workout reports. If Pletcher's doing B pluses, I don't even want to look at the race. <laughs> You know, and then you got, you know, a couple a couple other firsters, like you said, and then you got a Cassie $17 million horse, first-time starter. So, you know, and then, and then you get this horse as, like, public information. Seven to two in the program, Irad Ortiz and Chad Brown. If it was any other combination, it would be 30 to one in the program off that line. Yeah. You know, and then they come and run you down and pay $8. Right. You know, just headaches, you know. And then you get another, you got the Pletcher who's run, the Pletcher who hasn't run, you know. I mean. It's a race where I think no matter what I do, I'm going to get Pletcher or Brown. You know, I, I look at, you know, the, the 11 horse, Pletcher's horse, the horse that's run, the horse is bred to, to like the turf. It, is 
you know, why why is it taken till now? Because they, they realize the horse isn't a triple crown candidate. So uh, uh, just throw him on the, the turf and, instead of continue on the dirt? Or why didn't they start him off on the turf? No, you're exactly right. Every time Fletcher starts them, you know, he likes to start the real good ones in a seven furlong maiden race first time out. <laughs> and then, the, and then off of that race, they, they bet him to the favorite the last two times and he's, he's run. Uh... Yeah, no. So he ran his seven furlong race first time out, ran pretty good for a first time race. Next time out, he missed the start. Then they really give him the third starts really start two. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Okay. Just like you said, time to time to go on the grass. Yeah, you know, next start, you know, maybe fifty claiming or twenty-five claiming. Who knows? But you can't you can't you know dismiss this horse until he runs on the turf. Right. I tried to look here. Well, I'm looking up the formula. The problem is, I went on my phone. I got it, but you, I never done it on my phone. The um, formulator. Tell you what, can we take a quick break and I'll check and we'll come right back. Is that good? Yeah, sure. All right. I just don't want to screw up our recording here. Uh-oh. Okay. I don't know what I'm doing. All right. I'm going to stop the recording for a second. Folks, we'll be right back. All right. So we're back. Sorry for that delay. Uh, I learned that using DRF formulator, you cannot find out how a trainer did with horses without Lasix. You can check coming off of Lasix, going on to Lasix, second time Lasix. You can check you know, if their grandmother's name began with an R but you can't check horses without lacings. But I did look and we looked and Brian Lynch, we were talking about the seven horse. Uh, out of his last five winners, two of them were without Lasix, first time starter winners. Three were with Lasix, two without. So um, Tony, what, what, I know you told me off the air, but why were you bringing that up just uh, for the listeners? No, I just, I just can go, I can just go off memory going back to Brian Lynch when he was stabled at Woodbine. And it was just, back then it was almost automatic. You know, when they when they had LASIK, uh, you got excited about them, and and when they didn't, you didn't. It just seemed to, you know, it's not really a, can't be really a science because sometimes, you know, maybe you, you want to give a horse time, and good horses win first time out. They're not at their best, and they don't need LASIK. So it's nothing I would etch in stone. Just just was wondering if those stats were out there because it, it was always like a. <laughs> I think that went around the handicappers at Woodbine, you know? Oh, no Lasix. Oh, oh this one has Lasix. And... Mm-hmm. Was that just him or is that in general? Just like a, an old Woodbine wives tale, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Was that in general or just about Brian Lynch specifically, that tale? Yeah, no, Brian Lynch. Oh, that's interesting. Well, at least I did look and he had two of his last five were without Lasix. So, um, you know, for me, it's not going to make a difference. Like I said, and you mentioned the workout reports are going to be a lot. Uh, so maybe for our listeners who actually care who I pick, I'm more into like explaining why I like horses. I don't need people to just take my horses because uh, I like them because I don't know if people respect the opinion as much anyway that much. But I want to explain why so they can at least learn, you know, how I might handicap. And uh, this is one where I'll, I'll look at the workout reports. And if anyone cares, I can tweet out, you know, some horses. So reach out to me if you guys are out there and you're curious after looking at workout reports who I, who I might like. And uh, that's going to make my opinion. But I'll almost definitely, unless the workout reports are terrible, Use the two, three, seven here. Um, if I go deep in a race, you know, this is obviously a race that unfortunately a lot of people might go deep, but I'll probably go deep. And I'm, unless the workout reports are really good, I'm going to try and beat the 911 at short prices. So hopefully we can do that. Uh, I was honestly, I was looking at the DRF formulator when you guys were talking. Did you guys cover the race well enough, or was there anything else you want to say? 
No, no. Good luck. Good luck with anyone playing the pick six. So they're a better man than me if they can hit that. Yeah. After Tommy goes off, we'll wrap up the show and I'll put together, uh, you know, the ticket that I'm thinking about or how I would approach it. But uh, it could be difficult, which is a big reason why I have a few singles early. GQ. No. Um. Again, it, it's last race is tough. You have. You know, all cast of characters, the trainers, the jockeys, first-time starters. So anybody who has a strong opinion here, um, love to have uh, you tweeted it out to us because uh, I'd certainly be interested in knowing. All right. Um, Tommy, uh, any, any final thoughts before we uh, bid you adieu? No. No, you know, it's about as far as I can go into it. Didn't really do any homework. I, I'm just gonna done with you guys. I'm, I'm gonna go over tomorrow's card and won't be really looking seriously on Saturdays. But you know, stay away from tough races. Stay away from top pleasure races unless you want to keep you know over bad horses, right? So yeah, definitely. So that that narrow that narrows down your Gulfstream Park uh, possibilities. That's all right. You're, you're you're fine being being in South Florida and just find finding races elsewhere, right? Just like the rest of us were. No, I'm I'm only betting Gulfstream, and I got a couple of things I look at at fairgrounds. I might have bet twice at the fairgrounds or three times, but nah, just just wait. Bet more on the races I like, you know. Just like I, I've been stubborn over the years, coming down here, sticking to my pick three, pick four style, and getting slaughtered. Wow. That's not for me. I'd rather just, you know, grind away, which I'm not a grinder, but wait for certain races. And, you know, if I get up, I can get some, you know, get up on it during a week. I can take some silly shots trying to hit pick fours or pick fives. But no, I know I, I, I've been beat. I've been beat down here too many times. I, I don't feel like it anymore. Well, Tommy, thank, thanks again for coming on with us. Uh, happy holidays to you. Let's, let's hope, uh, the new year brings uh, much better health and happiness for everybody. Yep. I'm with you there, man. I hope 2021 changes from this shit. So excuse my language, but. <laughs> hey, it's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, you know, I win a million dollars betting horses and it's the worst year of my life. Worst year of probably everyone's life. You know, it's, it's insanity. Yep. It's just Tommy's be nice to each other. We don't like being nice, but let's be nice to each other. Yep, Tommy's referring to his uh, pick six score at uh, Tokyo earlier. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. Hong Kong. I'm sorry. So, all right, Eric. All right. Well, anyway, Tommy, we kept you a lot longer. I know you weren't going to really handicap the raise with us, and you were nice enough to look over the program a little bit and, and stay on. So, thank you. I thought some great insights. Uh, you really have influenced me a lot over the years. You don't know this. I told you last time, maybe, but. My strategy and style of betting, even though it might sound like we're a little different, is so similar to you. I'm always telling people stop spreading so much. And, you know, I try and really go after my opinions and, and you know, hit them hard and, and kind of stay away from the races I don't like. So uh, I think it's a great lesson for people to learn. And if people want to be winning horse players, I think that's something really important. So thank you for staying so long with us once again. Appreciate it. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. All that stuff. Happy New Year. And look forward to talking to you next year. Yeah, same to you anytime. Plus, Gina just came out about five minutes ago. My cat. So <laughs> nice. She's about had enough of this. So anytime, guys. Anytime. I, I, I love talking horses with anyone, especially you guys. Awesome. Thank you so much. Same here. Take care, Thanks. Tommy. So long. Bye.
Bye bye. Bye. All right. So thanks again to Tommy for joining us. And we have our final segment here. We're going to talk about our bet of the week and kind of put together a quick pick six ticket that, uh, that I might like. So our bets challenge, I actually went back GQ because it is a life I have during COVID. Some would say I don't have a life anyway, but especially during this whole COVID thing, I sat here the other night, I think it was like a Friday night or something and, or Saturday night last week. And I, it must've been Saturday. And I went through all our old podcasts because I kind of lost a little track about how much money we had. And I thought I had messed up. So I sat back, I listened to like the last five minutes of each podcast and I was able to calculate. Now I wouldn't have done that if I didn't win last week, of course, if I lost, I probably wouldn't have checked. But I did say that even though I was like 0 for 10 and down about 300 something dollars, that by 2021, I was confident I would be in the plus and I was able to do it. Uh, last week I had Nico's dream 40 to win on a 13 to one shot, whatever that came out to. And right now I'm plus 164 for the year or for our bet challenge. GQ started off really well uh, and had some horses run really well. Like last week's big Dodswell came in a good second. Uh, GQ is still in the plus two. He's plus exactly $1. But I think it's a testament. And, you know, again, I'm not trying to brag. It's a lock. If Nico's dream loses last week, um, I'm down $400 almost. So uh, it's a little bit of luck too. But I think it really is a testament to the style of betting that you only have to be right once out of 15 bets. And if you bet correctly, you can win money. And that's how I've approached handicapping and, or betting at least. And, and it's worked for me. So I would highly recommend that to everyone. You heard Tommy Masses today talking about it. When we talked about that race where I said, I like the three and the two and six, how do you play? It was about three over the two, six and a straight triple or whatever he said. Exactly. I forgot already. I'll go back and listen, but that's generally how we would play. Not that boxing it is a bad thing. If you have prices, a little bit of a box, but generally you try and, and this is where he got his name, hammer home your best opinion. So having said that, that's what I'm going to do this week. I'm going to bet in race seven at Gulfstream Saturday, a $20 pick three. And I am going to go in race seven, the four with the seven with the two, three in race nine. So that's four dog collection who I really, unless, unless it's just zero pace and even still the horse should do well. Four in race seven dog collection. My other single, the seven in race uh, eight, that's Grand Journey with the two traipsing and three court return in the, uh, in the last race. So um, uh, one by one by two for 20 bucks comes out to $40. GQ, trying to stay in the positive. Keep us both in the positive. We got to look good here. What do you got? I don't know. And unfortunately, I'm going to use one of your horses in your pick three. Luckily enough for you, it's not one of your two singles. Oh, phew. Thank goodness. I, I'm just going to go uh, just a $10 win um, on the – the two horse traipsing in the race nine. Uh, just think, uh, you know, gosh, he, he, he's outrun his odds his last two times out, last time in a grade three. Doesn't look like a whole lot of pace and the way the Gulfstream turf, uh, you know, plays to, to speed. Uh, he, he could find himself alone on the lead. With that being said, I'm sure there's some other horse that will rush to the lead. Never been anywhere close to the lead and totally ruin that pace scenario. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, thanks a lot for giving me somewhat kudos on taking a 20-to-1 Doswell and putting him behind the uh, favorite 
fed this, who got sucked into a quick pace and they all, it, it, the race fell apart and it was telephone numbers as they used to say. Um, so Doswell, I'm glad I didn't just play him to win because he paid 16, 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah, no, that was a race that, uh, yeah, but overall, we've talked about this before, you're better off with the win. In the long term, you're going to win. That was a race Largent win, who I didn't like really at all. Horse I used to like, but just I didn't think yeah, it was that good. I, Got a great setup, though. Well, so. Yeah, that's one horse I would have never thought could have won. So there you go. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, so just, uh, you know, $10 win ticket on the two in race nine. All right. And I just want to uh, wrap up with a uh, pick six ticket here because we've talked about the pick six. So how I would play it. Um, race six, I'm either going to use the single to nine or I'll go nine, 10, which are the two favorites. I might go deeper with some closers. If I do, I'll throw in closers like the four, uh, I'm sorry, the five and seven. But um, I, I, that's the race that's really holding me back from this pick six, which means I probably should just play the pick five. But uh, again, uh, the nine is the worst I like the most. I'm just worried about the pace scenario. The um, the ten I think is going to be fairly tough Conforto, uh, and I think the five is a decent shot, and the seven is the other closer. So I'm I'm chalk there. I just got to decide how chalk I want to go. I'm going to go nine, ten, you know, and then five, seven, depending on if I go four deep or or not. Uh, but after that, I promise I won't give you that much chalk. If I do, it'll be a single race. Seven, I'm singling the four dollar collection. Race eight, I'm singling the seven Grand Journey. Race. And that's race eight, Grand Journey. Race nine, uh, I like the three, Court Realm, the two, Traipsing. And I'm going to throw in the Arnie Delacour horse, the six horse whose name I don't have in front of me. But I'm going to go with those three. I could see spreading that race, so I wouldn't blame you if you want to add more. But those are my three. In race 10, the um, Gulfstream Park race, uh, this is a race where I'm, I'm torn also. I'm definitely using the five, Majestic Dunhill. I don't see singling that horse. Um, Ferenc Fire, I think will be tough. So I'm probably just going to go five, nine that race. Uh, but having said that, I remember I like the two and the 11 also. So I didn't write it down originally cause I have a whole bunch after that, but I'll probably throw in the two. Uh, I got to check the name real quickly for you. Sorry. And the name of the two is cool arrow and the name of the 11 is Zenden. So I'll probably go two eleven there. And then the last race, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end up spreading based on workout reports. So real quick, one more time, pick six. Race six, I'm going nine, and then 10, and then four, uh, I'm sorry, and then five, seven. So nine, 10, five, seven. If I use all the chalk, I might cut it down though. Race seven, single four. Race eight, single seven. Race nine, two, three, six. Race 10, two, five, nine, 11. And then race 11, I said, I'll probably be spreading, but definitely two, three, seven. And then after that, the ticket's really not that expensive. It sounds like a lot, but I, I didn't use that many horses. So that's where I'm at in the pick six. And as we get closer, I see the workout course, I'll get it. Sorry we kept you so long, but having Tommy on is a treat. So we didn't want to rush him off at all. And he was nice enough to stay. I'm sure he wanted to go at times, but he didn't uh, say anything. So we took advantage of him. So thanks, Tommy, just for listening, for staying on. GQ, thank you so much for, uh, for sitting here, listening to me babble about horses for a while and chiming in a lot. Enjoyed it. And I look forward to talking to you next week. Anything? Uh, hey, or, uh, yeah. Um, I are we going to do something next week with uh, Christmas coming up? Yeah, I think we talked about it since we're not doing much uh, Christmas Eve. We might do something that day, but I guess we'll, uh, we'll talk about it during the week and see. But for the folks out there, I think we'll end up putting something out uh, Christmas Eve, most likely, uh, unless something comes up for one of us in our, uh, our schedule. So hopefully we'll talk to you All next right. week. If we don't, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah ending or just ended, but Happy Hanukkah, Happy New Year, all that stuff. 
We will talk to you hopefully next week. Good luck this weekend. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.